Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. And we are back. It's time for episode number three of 800, where we talk outfielders, because there are a bazillion outfielders, Andrew. Yes, there is. (laughs) Well... I say that, but we're probably not going to talk about near as many of this go around. I think we're just going to be listing them off and talk about the ones that interest us because we've talked about the sexy ones over the first couple outfield podcasts. Yeah, yeah, we'll go down little ways here and finish kind of when we feel like it, I guess. Yeah, and we are going to also throw in the utility hitters. There aren't too many of them, but there are a few of them that are going in drafts that we're going to bring up. One thing I want to bring up before we get started is that we are on iTunes and we are giving away a t-shirt of the Baseball 365 t-shirt that you can purchase on our Baseball 365 Facebook group. Anybody that gives us a review on iTunes, we are entering into a drawing and shortly before the season starts, we're going to draw a name and send somebody a t-shirt. If you'd like to win a free Baseball 365 t-shirt, make a review for us real quick and we'll get you on the list. All right, it's outfielder time. You ready to roll, Andrew? I'm ready to roll. All right, so we're going to do this differently than how we did it before, where we were listing them all off individually and talking about them. We're going to start off listing them at 10 outfielders at a time and just kind of talk about the interesting ones. Again, we're going off of ADP from NFBC draft data. Number 41 is Steven Piscotti with the A's. 42 is Nomar Mazzara with the Texas Rangers. 43 is Billy Hamilton, who's now with the Royals. 44 is Brandon Nemo. 45, super sleeper every year, Byron Buxton. 46 is Harrison Bader with the Cardinals. 47 is Hunter Renfro. 48 is Ramon Laureano with the Oakland A's. 49 is Austin Meadows with Tampa. And 50 is Corey Dickerson. So of that list, Andrew, who would you like to talk about? I mean, I could talk about any of them. I guess the one that jumps off the page, I guess, here is Buxton. It's a pretty harsh divide, wouldn't you say, with guys that like him and guys that don't? Most definitely. And especially, I think a lot of people were pretty much giving up on him, but he sucked some people back in with what he's doing this spring. Up, He's hit a few home runs, his strike. I think he just finally had an 0 for 3 with 3 strikeout game the other day, but before that, he had gone his first 10 or 15 at bats without a strikeout and I think three home runs after bulking up this offseason. So he sucked some people back in right now. Yeah. He taught me a, a lesson last year. I, I was in on him last year and I was I was definitely wrong. It makes it kind of hard to do it this year. I do have one share and I probably should be in even a little more than I am, but uh it's kind of one of those things that I understand both sides of it. I mean, he, he just, he just can't really hit man. And the thing is, is no matter how many tools you have, if, if you don't have that one, it kind of kills everything else. So I don't know. I'm like cautiously optimistic, but I lived through last year with him and it, it was pretty painful. So we'll see what happens, but I, I don't have the, I definitely think it's a mistake if you are getting, overly excited about a few spring training games i i've posted a couple things in the group but it's like i'm laughing inside when i do it it's not a, <laughs> it's not like i i'm doing it because i think he's becoming a star you know it's 
that's going to take some time if it even happens. So, Well, it's working. What he's doing right now is working and bringing his price up. I remember doing drafts and mocks there two months ago, and you could get him as late as the 15th, 16th round sometimes, and he's creeping up. NFBC now has him as a 12th rounder. I think I've seen him go as high as the 8th or ninth round now to where he's sucking some people in, and it's a dangerous game to play. I mean, it is better than last year where he was going in the third or fourth round in drafts, and the upside's still there to be a top player if he can hit. But the problem is he has not shown that ever since getting to the big leagues to where I was okay with him taking him late enough in a redraft just because the upside's still immense. But I think as he keeps moving up, I'm getting less and less interested. I don't think I could pay a 12th round price. Like you've said before, it's not going to lose your draft. But I just see other guys up there that I feel better investing in that I think could turn a profit as compared to Buxton. Yeah, and it's like it's like even if the power and speed come together, like where is the average in OBP going to be? You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's tough with him. It it really is. It's the range of outcomes is so wide. I feel like it's pretty crazy. But you want to c- touch on a couple of these other guys too, or yeah, oh yeah, we've got some more interesting ones in here. Uh, Nomar Mazara has been a guy that I've loved for the last few years in terms of dynasty and keep feeling like this is going to be a guy that is going to eventually turn it on it hasn't happened yet i do want to add that he was pacing for a little more like i think this was his third consecutive season of 20 home runs of yeah three straight 20 home runs. and this one was with 128 games and a i think a wrist injury or hand injury that hampered him down the stretch he was pacing for more like upper 20s close to 30s 30 home runs before that injury and but on the same note his ground ball rate and his home run to fly ball rate was insane the home run to fly ball rate was incredibly high in the low 20s at the time of the injury and ground ball rate still up to 55 percent last year which is way too high from what i was seeing it seemed like he was doing a little better versus lefties but i'm not taking the cheese on a in a redraft until i actually see it in a dynasty I've got him in one dynasty. I had him in another. I think you almost have to hold him in hopes of him turning it. I shouldn't say that, actually. Let's sit here and think about it. Maybe somebody is still wanting to buy him at that at that price where they think he's going to turn it on. And It just depends on what other people are offering you, I guess. I kind of liked Mazzara as a prospect, but I'm quickly just realizing I'm like one of the low guys on him. I He's been a... He's been a Average hitter in his career so far against righties and a horrible hitter against lefties. And it's like there's no speed. There's just – he is young, so that, I guess, offers some hope. But I also feel like it kind of makes him overrated in dynasty leagues a feel bit I f- or a little bit. I feel like two to three years from now, we could be sitting here and he's just doing the exact same thing because he, he yep. can't hit lefties. And then in, if that amount of time goes by and he hasn't made improvements, his value is going to drop significantly. There's still people that like him in Dynasty because he's 23. But I don't know, man. I just I don't really see a lot I like here. I'm just not that big of a fan of him. And if, if he ticks up the power and... 
the stuff against lefties, then maybe it'd be time to buy, but I haven't seen any sign of it yet. He's at about 1,700 career plate appearances, so some of that is, you know, things start to normalize after that amount of time, and he's just been so blah. Yep. Yeah, I was going to bring up, uh, I think we kind of need to talk about Billy a little bit. I mean, just because of, he's another one of those kind of extreme cases. I kind of down on him, but with the Royals, you know, you, you would think he should run a lot, so he could be interesting. And I feel like um, Nemo, Bader, Meadows, Loriano, like those four are all kind of similar and they're all in this range you know like young outfielders that are just kind of starting to get their feet wet that offer a little bit of everything so there's some intrigue with uh with some of those guys what do you think of Bader I know you're a Cardinals fan so gotta ask oh gee well what I'll say about him is I find him to be a real interesting player to watch play he's Got some power. He, he's really fun to watch run those bases. Got He has a nice energy to him. But he's always had a pretty decently high strikeout rate going through the minors. And even and getting up to the majors last year, it was approaching 30%. I don't know how sold I am on him being a definitive guy that's going to hit. I'm not really taking him at the spot. The upside's there. If he was to actually improve those strikeout rate this year, and get the bat on the ball a little better, he could be a 2020 guy. I think it's he's capable of it. Maybe 15-20. Maybe 15-25 even, now that I think about it. But I don't know. I just I don't feel comfortable taking him at this spot. Yeah, he's probably the one I like the least of those four that I named off. I think it's mostly just because, obviously, they've got Ozuna. Paying Fowler a ton of money, way too much. Yes. And... And O'Neal's tearing it up. I mean, I don't know. I I could see Bader getting kind of lost in the shuffle a little bit if he doesn't come out of the gates strong. And yeah, the yeah. fact he's a the fact he's a right-handed bat too. I always feel like you could start working your way into being a platoon player. I don't know, man. I have my reservations with him. But my guy on this list is number forty-nine in Austin Meadows. I love this guy in terms of taking him as a number three outfielder and even possibly a number four at this point, but he's been a number three in a lot of my teams where I've been waiting and getting a lot of these middle round in outfielders for starters. He played stayed healthy last year, which was great to finally see after he's been beaten up and injured a lot of the last three or four years. And he got called up to Pittsburgh, had a nice little start there, but I think because of service time and them playing games with that, they went on and sent him back down and then he was traded to Tampa in August. And once he was traded to Tampa, he exploded in AAA. In 27 games, he had 10 home runs. He was absolutely crushing the ball in early to mid-August. And he got a little bit of a cup of coffee after their minor league playoff games and finished real strong there. I think he's going into this year as the starter. And if not, I think he's going to have it early in the season. But... I think that 2020 is possible with this guy. I really do. I'm excited about Meadows, and he's the one of this group that I'm targeting. Yeah, I mostly echo that. I, I'm not probably quite as into him as you, but, yeah, I like him. He's solid. He should be able to 
contribute across the board. I feel that kind of the same with Loriano too. Yeah, that's another good one. In terms, especially in an OBP league, or Loriano is up there a little higher in the strikeouts, but he's really good at taking a walk, and he's another one that's got the 15-15-20-20 type potential. The one thing I'll say with Piscotti is he's a pretty good hitter, and he's going to play every day. Yep. And it's one of those guys that it's like a boring pick, like it puts you to sleep almost. But at the end of the year, he's probably going to provide value. So just keep that in mind. I, I'm not saying I love him, but he can hit and he'll have a little bit of pop. And he, he's going to stay in the lineup. You know, he's going to be one of those guys that plays every day. Like some of these guys on this in this 10, they're not going to play every day. It's just going to wind up being that way. And I'm pretty confident he will. So, Yeah, he and Mazzara are the two guys who I'd say have the highest floor in term, on this list. I think those two specifically, they're going to play. I don't think their ceilings either. Well, I shouldn't say that about Mazzara. If he starts hitting the ball and elevating the ball a little more, I think he's got a little more upside. But Piscotti definitely is the highest floor of this group right there with Mazzara. All right. We'll move on to 51 to 60. These guys' ADPs is in, in between 200 and 235. Let's list them off here. Jesse Winker, Ryan Braun, Kyle Schwarber, Adam Eaton, Chris Taylor, who we already discussed, along with the next one, Jose Martinez. We got Fran Mel Reyes, Padres, Jackie Bradley Jr. with the Red Sox, Trey Mancini with Baltimore, and Marwin Gonzalez, who we also already discussed. Honestly, I don't get too excited about any of these guys. I'm a big fan of Eaton just because I love his on-base skills, but there isn't really anybody here on this list that gets me too excited. Does any of them interest you? Um, Winker, Schwarber, and Eaton in OBP are all really good. Mm -hmm. Definitely a tick up from where they would be in batting average. I mean, Winker's walk rate is just absurd. So OBP leagues, yeah, you can bump any of those guys up. Braun, I still like. I still think Braun has some skills there, but Braun is. I tell you what, when you own him, you notice it. He is the most banged up guy in the league. Yeah. I feel like I, I had him. I, I want to say it was last year, and I swear it was like every other day. It was like a different injury. It was just he's constantly beat up, and it's really annoying when you have like a. You know, like say your lineup, a lot of a lot of lineups for hitters. They're Monday, th- Thursday, and then Friday to Sunday, and he's missing like multiple games in there because of just random stuff. You know, it's just all the time with him. So, just that I just keep that in mind if you're targeting Braun at all or think he's a value. Just it's really annoying. I'd feel a lot more comfortable having him in a daily league than a weekly league for that reason. You just feel like you're missing yeah. so many games compared to daily league. If you've got a deep bench, you can at least plug somebody else in there. What about Jackie Bradley Jr. at 58? Brock Smith did ask on Facebook, our thoughts on JBJ with him working with J.D. Martinez's hitting coach this offseason. And I've heard from multiple people that they're high on him in terms of maybe getting a little more thump back in his bat after having 26 home runs in 2016. It dropped the last couple of years with 17 in 2017 and all the way down to 13 last year. My favorite thing with JBJ, I've always kind of been, you know, just kind of in between on him. I've never wouldn't say I love him, but I've never been totally anti him either. But my favorite thing with him is that his defense is so good 
that I feel like he's that just gives him more of a leash in the lineup. It does. I mean, he's going to play because he's an elite center fielder, you know? Yeah, we'll see. As far as the rest, I mean, it's a little bit across the board, nothing too crazy in any category. So we'll yeah. see. But yeah, that, that part of it, I, I've always felt like that glove is going to keep him around a lot longer than a guy with his skills with the bat would normally be around. All right. Well, we'll go on to the number 61 through 70. These guys are ADP between 235 and 281. And I do like this list. I find a bunch of these names interesting. 61's Jake Bowers. We've already talked a lot about him on the first base podcast. 62, Domingo Santana, who's now with the Seattle Mariners. 63, Max Kepler. 64, Odebel Herrera. 65, Randall Grigic. 66, Greg Peron- Gregory Polanco. 67, Zian Happ. We have already discussed him. 68, Kyle Tucker. 69, Shinsu Chu. And 70, Manuel Margot. This is a list of guys who I find myself taking quite a few of them in redrafts and mocks. Yeah, I like, uh, I don't know if I would say quite a few for me. I like, I like Domingo. I think that he's in a really good spot. I actually have no shares, but I almost took him in my last draft, and I do like him here for sure. I think that he'll outproduce this slot. I don't mind Grichik for power, and if you can stash Polanco, he's okay. I've never liked him too much, but he's dropped off so far now. If it's just like a thing where you can just stash him away, it's not bad. And Chu in OBP leagues is good. I, I will say... I do not understand why people like Max Kepler. I think he sucks. I just, I, <laughs> I think he is garbage. And I think when, I, I should say, I am pretty confident when guys like Kirilov and Larnick come up, I mean, this guy is just going to get thrown to the wall. He's, he's done. Like, he, he pretty much has to have a really good year this year or starting out. Or I, I just feel like, I mean, they've got Rosario out there. Buxton, whatever you think of him, he's ahead of Kepler on the food chain. And then those guys are coming up. I I don't know, man. Max Kepler has not done anything. His batting average sucks. His OBP sucks. He's just not, not done anything. And, and I keep hearing these excuses for him, like the late start to baseball and all that. It's like, okay, well, let's start producing. I think he's terrible. And I think when those guys come up, he's either traded or gone or just a backup because he's just not impressive at all to me. He needs to make major strides. You know, I'm looking at his page right now. I honestly don't know a ton about him, and I'm just looking at his page and really looking into it. And I don't understand by looking at his fancrafts page why he's bad. You see, I see a strikeout rate in the mid-teens, a walk rate that's really solid. Hard hit rate's okay. Nothing great, nothing bad. Line drive rate, ground ball rate, fly ball rate, all that looks fine. I don't know because I honestly will say I have not watched a ton of the Twins the last few years. but The walk rate is all right. I'll give them that. Yeah, that's fine. But it's just I look at the bottom line. It's like 233 career batting average, 313 career on base. Which there's something to it. 
you say the 233 batting average and I see the 257 BABIP, but that is also over 1600 plate appearances. Yeah. It's so a large sample. That means over a one year stretch, you'd say, okay, this guy's getting really unlucky, but that's the part that's alarming. It's what is he doing? That's causing his batting average and balls in play to be that terrible. I just don't get it, man. Maybe, maybe he'll break out this year, but it won't be on my teams. I, I'd rather take pretty much anybody here besides him. Yeah. With Tucker, with Kyle Tucker, I always liked him as a prospect like a few years ago. I remember I traded for him when he was in the lower minor. Um, I always liked him, but I don't know. This spot is okay. He doesn't even really excite me for this year either. I'm, not, I'm just not that sure he's going to get the playing time, and I don't know. I'm worried about I think the, the playing ones time. I, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm worried about the playing time too. But I, yeah, I think the ones that I like out of this group are probably Domingo, Grichik, and Chu. If I had to pick three, yeah, those three, Polanco. I don't hate Marco this late because I do think that the price is he, he's dropped far enough to where I think he's worth a shot there. But there is playing time concerns there too. Brock Smith did ask our thoughts on Domingo. We could go into him because last year, after having a great 2017, it really fell apart for him last year. But the nice thing is going to Seattle, he should have plenty of playing time no matter what. And I think this is a guy who maybe you're not going into the year expecting 30 home runs and 15 steals, but I could easily see him doing something like 20, hitting 20 plus home runs and over a full season. And I don't know the batting, the strikeouts are high. He's got to get that under control, but I think he still knows how to get on base. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I I like Domingo. I think, I think his steamer projections are light. I think he's going to be better than 19 homers and six steals. Yeah. I think he'll hit like mid twenties, potentially Mm -hmm. even upper twenties. With, like, double-digit steals? Yeah, I think he's definitely I'll, a value here. I almost said I kind of could see him being something like 25 and 10, 22 and 10, something which, like that. Which in this spot is phenomenal. It's good. Yep. He's, he makes really good contact or hard contact when he makes contact, too. Only a 13% soft contact rate. Hard hit rate, 38%. And medium, 47 That's That's not too bad for the way down here. You really can't judge Domingo Santana off the of last season because he just mm-hmm. he just didn't have opportunity. And the one year that he did, you saw what happened. I mean, it was a three sixty three Babbitt, but I don't know. I, I I like Domingo. I think I mean he's just he's going to play every day too, and there's uh, there's some value there as well. So all right, well let's move down to seventy one through eighty. And this is where we're more talking your outfield five end game of your starting outfielders. Jay Bruce at 71, Brian Anderson at 72. We've already discussed him. Cedric Mullins, 73, Kevin Pilar with Toronto at 74, Kike Hernandez, 75, Matt Kemp, who has gone to Cincinnati, but doesn't looks like he may be a fourth outfielder at 76. Steven Souza at 77, Kevin Kiermeyer all the way down to 78, Daniel Palka at 79, and Jock Peterson at 80. 
So I, I see a couple names here that's interesting to me. Jay Bruce, I think, is a good price right here. Cedric Mullins and Kevin Kiermeyer are the three that I think I like here. Which one's for you? Yeah, I was actually going to say those same three, especially Bruce and Mullins. Bruce is a proven power source that was hurt for a lot of the year last year and isn't as old as you think. I think as the 71st outfielder off the board, it's it's pretty much just a steal. I mean, prior to last year, the two previous years, 33 and 36 bombs, I mean, wouldn't shock me at all if he was over 30. He's not projected for that because they've only got him projected for playing partial season. But, yeah, I like Bruce just because I I know what he is, you know, and it's just – he hits for power. I mean, that's just what he does. And you can kind of count on that as long as he's healthy. And then, yeah, with Mullins, uh, I've followed Mullins kind of through the minors. And uh, I think I made a bold prediction, actually, last August that he would go 2020 this year. I don't know if I'm sticking to that, but I think he could be close. I The thing that I like the most about him is just Baltimore so bad that they have no reason to not let him just play every day and looks like he's going to lead off so that lineup is so bad i don't even know if that matters um yeah i think there's some pop and some speed there and you know just kind of see what happens i i've got a few shares of them so steamer has him projected for 13 home runs and 13 steals i think that's exactly what jorge polanco was slated to have actually even looking at his batting average and on, on base percentage that looks like polanco's the last few years but I do like him because I do think there's that's a that to me almost feels like a floor if he stayed in the lineup all season. I think he's capable of more than that. And actually, now that I look, that's over 110 games, so that's interesting. So they're not projecting him to play a full season. If he was to get a full season of ball, they would even be projecting more than that. Kevin Kiermeyer, I I find interesting in terms of it, you know. But it's the third straight season where he hasn't even played more than 105 games. But the thing with him is, and it goes back to what we were saying on the last episode with outfielders getting hurt, you can't count on him playing a full season. But as long as you're in a league where you have plenty of DL slots, I like grabbing a guy like this because he gives you a partial season of good stats, and then you can worry about the injuries when they happen and fill it up hopefully with somebody that you found during the season. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah, Kiermaier on a per-game basis. He's another guy that's pretty good on defense, so uh, you you expect that to keep him in the lineup over time, you know. And some of those, some of these guys, you get down to these fringe players, it's like if they have that, then you at least have that to hold on to as far as keeping them getting at bats, you know. It just it gives them a longer leash than somebody that doesn't have that. I will say one thing with Palka down this far, he's going to play and he has power. So he's the type of guy that could hit like 30 home runs. And basically he's totally free in drafts. So is he definitely going to play? I thought when I had read when Eloy came up, he was one that could be oh, is he the the one getting phased out. Yeah, maybe you could be right there. I was thinking he was in regardless, but. I could be wrong on that. I'll have to look into it a little more, too. Palka, Ingle, and Jay is their outfield. So, I mean, 
<laughs> that doesn't seem like that's a set yeah. in stone outfield. Yeah, I think Palk is going to stay. I hope so, because I drafted him at the end of my auction league where I took Eloy, and that was my sole reason for doing so, was to actually just have him in there the first couple of weeks until Eloy came back. But I know I've got a couple other outfielders who may start the year hurt in that league, and that'd be nice to have him. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to 81 through 100. I'm not going to list them all off. Andrew, you've got the list in front of you, too. But I just want to mention some interesting names that I see in there, and then you can tell me who's interesting you, and maybe we could discuss a few of them. Jock Peterson is at 81. Greg Allen at 82. And then Jorge Soler at 86. Tyler O'Neill's at 88. Kristen Stewart's at 90. Brett Gardner at 92. Franchi Cordero at 95. Willie Calhoun at 97, Alex Vertigo at 99, and Lewis Brinson, Mr. March at 100. Of those guys I listed, or maybe one of them that I missed, who do we want to start with here, Andrew? Uh, I'll start with Greg Allen. I uh, I really like Greg Allen. I, I've kind of liked him. I, I found him kind of in the minors when it was like nobody was talking about him. He was stealing bases and hitting for average and getting on base. I was like, I picked him up in a couple dynasty leagues and I was, you know, all excited. And, um, I've only, I think I've only got him in one dynasty league now, but I do like him. I think he's going to get some opportunity this year and I could see him potentially being, being like Malik Smith light. I think this is about the last guy in drafts that you can get that I would comfortably say is going to steal 25 to 30 bases as long as he's in there all year. You know, there is obviously that can be a a little bit of a question, but their outfield isn't very good. So I could definitely see him sticking all year. And yeah, I I like the skill set a little bit. He is definitely interesting this late. He could, if he does even close to what Malik Smith did that, man, that's huge to get at this point. Yeah. Uh, who, do you, who do you like in here? Well, I'm going to go to a question. Anton Malcolm asks, does Tyler O'Neill win that job? Anton said, I don't believe in Fowler. And then I don't think Jose Martinez can play the outfield, which may open a spot for this guy. I guess I should probably sure. start with that, yeah. given I'm the Cardinal fan. Yeah, you can start with that. I'm not a huge O'Neill guy. As a guy who strikes out a lot and doesn't walk much, I personally am not overly excited about him. He does have some serious power, but with the Cardinals in 61 games last year, just looking at his page, he had a 4.9% walk rate, and his strikeout rate was 40%, resulting in a 254 batting average. I think he's a quad A guy, personally. I I'm, he's going to have to show something with those strikeouts before I believe anything otherwise. So, no, I don't think he wins that job. And if he does, I don't think he lo- holds on to it long. Yeah, I, I like O'Neill more than you. I can just tell by what you're saying. But the thing is, is with Fowler, no matter what you think, and I agree Fowler was terrible last year, they're paying him a ton of money. Yep. I mean – is he really going to sit the bench for Bader and O'Neill? I don't see that at all. Like, I don't see that at all. 
happening. So Fowler's going to play, unless I'm missing something. But I just I can't imagine that he's going to the bench. So then yeah. to me, it's it's like one spot for Bader and O'Neal. And Bader probably has the inside track, but O'Neal has had a really good spring. So Why don't you talk about Kristen Stewart here? I know you're a big fan of him. And I know you were mad about getting sniped on him in a league recently. I honestly don't know a ton about Stewart, so tell me something about him. Yeah, so with Stewart, yeah, I've, I've been sniped on him multiple times, and I just haven't gotten him anywhere, and it sucks because I like Stewart a lot for this season. I know he's a young player, and I don't, I don't really love him like long term in dynasty leagues and stuff. But I like him quite a bit for this year. Couple reasons: uh, one, the Tigers are awful, and I expect him. They have him slated right now in roster resource to hit second, so that's good. Even if that doesn't come to fruition, and he hits like fifth or sixth. You know, okay, whatever. But the general point is, he should be in the lineup. This is a guy with a three sixty three career obp in the minors so he's just he's able to get on base and the last three years he's hit 30 28 and 27 home runs 20 last wow. year it was, tw- it was 25 and then two in the majors so but yeah i just i feel like it's um he's really far down for a guy that's going to play every day and should be able to provide that stuff like if he was a little more of a known quantity he would probably be, you know, up near like Randall Gritchick territory because I think he can do something comparable to that in like a batting average league. That's 25 slots higher in the ADP ranks and about 145 picks overall in a draft. I mean, that's 10 rounds of draft value. So it's not, yeah. obviously, obviously Gritchick's the more proven commodity commodity with the power, but um, I, I think Stewart. Should be pretty good this year. I mean, unless he could always come up and just be awful. But as long as he's in the lineup and they have nobody better to play. So I think he's going to get run and I think he'll be all right. What about Vertigo? And I I think, what was it, Jock Peterson at 81. It sounds like these two are actually competing for a job. Do you prefer one over over the other? Well, I think you have to take Peter. I think you have to take Jock for this year, but for Dugo's fine. I mean, I kind of think of him like uh, almost kind of like a Nick Markakis type in a way. I don't think that mm. the fantasy skills are ever going to be real friendly, but he can hit. It's just how much power translates and stuff like that is ultimately going to be the question. The problem with Vertigo this year is I don't. There it's Verdugo. I don't know why I keep saying that. I think it's because you're saying it, so I'm going to blame you. <laughs> but uh, Verdugo this year is I just I don't anticipate. I don't know how much playing time he's going to get. That's really I mean that's always been the question with him when they when they got Pollock. Now it's like you know Jock Pollock and Pete and uh, Bellinger. I don't really know if there's a spot. All right. Well, let's go on to number a hundred, and that's Mr. Lewis Brinson who I think is already up to five home runs in the spring. Are you buying this at all, or is this a, no, I'm not believing it until I see it in the bigs? Not really. I took him uh, 
I think it was round 18 of Rotomasters 3. And I was happy to take him there. It was like pick 357 or something. And that uh, was a dynasty startup. And that's just a dynasty. Yeah, America. that's a dynasty startup. Yeah. In redraft, his his counting stats will probably be so bad, even if he does give you power and speed, that it may not even be he may not even be worth that much, you know, in a in a redraft league this year, just because his on base skills still aren't very developed. And the lineup is bad. You know, I, I don't really think he's going to give you that. I, I think his best two categories will be home runs and stolen bases. And even that is a little bit of a question because he's kind of like Buxton in a way that he just can't really hit that good yet anyways, you know. And the strikeout rate's high. And he's developing. I mean, I, I like his potential for the future. And I always feel like with guys like that, they a lot of times they can churn out a one or two peak seasons where it really is nice, but I still think he's a few years away from that if he ever even gets there, or a couple years. You know, it's I don't think he's just going to come out this year and go like thirty thirty or something stupid. You know, it's it'll take some time, but he he definitely needs to be a little more selective at the plate. I will say that, and he does have the potential if he figures it out with the hit you making the Buxton comp I like him a lot more in redraft than Buxton because you're taking him in the reserve round here at 478 and you can take him and if he's not hitting in April he's you can be a cut as compared to investing a 12th round pick in Buxton yeah I I just I wouldn't invest that much in Brinson in redraft because yes he was he was arguably the worst hitter in the majors like last year he was really horrible like really bad 239 yep. OBP over 460 plate appearances in his career. I mean, just just take him at the very end and hope you get something if you want him, but don't get too aggressive short term. Long term, I think that I don't think he's dead, you know. I don't think it's a good time to completely write off a guy like this, but short term I would I'd be careful cuz I I just I don't think he's going to have a ton of value this year. Who's more likely to get full-time playing time in the next five years at some point? Roman Quinn or Rymel Tapia? Oh, boy. God, I have no idea. <laughs> you can say neither. Uh, I like Quinn more of the two. Just as a player, I've, just, I've always kind of liked Quinn, and I've not really ever liked Tapia, but um, it, a lot of that stuff will be situational, like with who's – injured and i mean quinn's always injured himself so it's i don't know i i might say tapia at this point but i'm not sure if the entire colorado rocky team came up with food poisoning and they had 25 guys go on the dl if tapia would still get at bats that's the way they are with him yeah yeah you know but it's but, but it's almost like that with philly though too i mean it like, how many injuries would it take for Roman Quinn to get every day at bats in Philly? I think it'd take at least two, maybe three. At least. You would think Nick Williams would be the first guy. Yeah. And But he's no good, in my opinion. So. Well, no, but it also would take time for not only that injury, but then for Williams to be awful. And then, you know, before you know it, it's August. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not. Neither one of them is my answer, yep. actually. 
The guy I like out of this list of 100 to 125 is Brad Zimmer with Cleveland. He's coming off of a terrible year last year with injuries, and I think he's going to be back and ready to go. And this is the guy who was going in, I think, the 12th to 15th round last year, and people were hoping for 35 steals out of the guy. And there's nobody in Cleveland in that outfield to where I don't, he's got a clear path to playing time if he can get back healthy. So I kind of like him with that going this late as a nice reserve round pick. Yeah, down here after the 100th outfielder, my two would be Reddick and Dexter Fowler. And it's strictly because they're proven major leaguers and they're going to play. That's all it is. Look at the yeah. rest of the look at the rest of these guys. Most of these guys, you can't say that about. Yep. They're they're part-time players. They're guys that even Alex Gordon, I don't mind here at 576. I mean, it's we're way down there now. It's you know, he wasn't terrible last year. But yeah, Fowler, Reddick and Fowler would be mine like end game of a draft and hold type. And Jeremy Roller asked, will Red Thunder, which I had to go Google search this because I had no idea who Red Thunder was, and apparently it's Clint Frazier, yeah. <laughs> ever ever be given a chance? Yeah, I saw that. I I mean, he, he deserves a chance. I feel like it's just he's not in the right organization for it. The Yankees are loaded. No. I don't think he's going to get much of a chance in New York unless there's some kind of unforeseen situation or some injuries or, I mean, I feel like he needs traded whenever it's, whenever it's a guy like that on a, on a really good team that isn't already in the lineup, you know, that's like behind the starters. It's tricky because God, it's like if, if they don't trade, let's just say they don't trade him for the next year or two years. And he's just sitting there while, you know, judge and Hicks and Stanton and, Gardner, I know Gardner's older, but they're just playing, and I don't know. He could be 26 and then finally get his shot. I mean, it, it it's rough sometimes when you're a guy like that on a, on a good team. You know, the, the major league team is already good. They don't really need it. No, and honestly, if they had a big injury come up, I think they'd trade for somebody pretty quick, and they still wouldn't give them the playing time. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, it's I, I'm with you there. They, it seems like when these really good teams have stuff like that happen, they're a lot more likely to do that than to just bring up the kid or play the kid every day. He'd really have to be crushing it, which you never know. It's just that the opportunities that he gets to do so are, are slim. I feel like. All right. Let's really, we're talking very, very into game here. Last picks of the draft at this point. And as I look down and scroll down the rest of the way, I see Joe Adele sitting there at 664. And it did make me want to ask the question because he made it to double A. I think I think he made it to double A last year. If not, he's starting the year in double A. But what odds percent chance would you give on him actually playing in the big leagues this year? Uh, I would put it like 20%. I think, I think there's a shot. I think that the Angels will be decent, and if they're, you, you know, a lot of teams compete nowadays with the second wild card and stuff. It's kind of hard to be, like, way out of the second wild card, you know, in, like, let's say August 1st. I mean, all, most teams are in it, unless you're just completely horrible, and I don't think the Angels are that bad. I could see Adele coming up 
later in the year. I might even put it a little higher than that, odds-wise. I I could see him coming up. It, it, but the thing is, is he, he has to keep hitting. If he takes any kind of step back, double-A or any of that, then it'll it's probably slim to none that he comes up. But if he's smashing and they're in the wild-card hunt, why wouldn't they bring him up? It's almost like the tease with me with him in terms of that this guy – had a great year last year in the low minors. His strikeout rate was still up at 24% while he was crushing, and it got up to 31% in the 17 games he was in double-A. He's got to prove he can make good contact and keep developing. I think I'd put it under 20%. Personally, I think I'd be more like 10. But there is a, it's definitely non-zero that he could be up this year. Juan Soto was in low-A to start last year. Yeah, well, he's not the hitter one. Soto is, but no. I know you know. I know you know that. But like, the thing is, is, I I just I truly feel like if they're in contention at all, they like have to bring him up. It, especially like think about any type of injury too. You know, it's like Pujols is at DH, which I know, and then they got they'll have Otani at DH, but then at some point Otani will probably be working on the rehab for his arm. Maybe that takes him out more and they shift guys around, but any type of injury, I mean, Trout and Upton are kind of locked in out there, but there is the DH is like a four spot. You know, one of them could move to DH or whatever. I, I don't know. I think there's a chance if it's later in the year, they're contending and there's maybe like one injury, but he will have to be playing good too. At, like I said before, it, it's not just going to be, handed to him he it's going to have to kind of take all of those things working together in unison i i feel like for him to get to the to the majors there's not too many more interesting guys as i look at this Yusnel diaz he should be up at some point this year as a rookie and jorge bonifacio that's still a guy that i i kind of like i've not really been ready to quit him i think he's an interesting outfielder if he can get the playing time the problem is with them adding all those outfielders he may not have it. I'm not 100% certain. What about you? Is there any others you want to bring up on that field? No. No, we're, we're, <laughs> way, too, we're way too far down now. It's Okay. I mean, any of these guys could, you know, it one injury and somebody has a starting job and you never know, but these guys are all just whatever. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll move into utility then because that won't take long either. I started listing off utility-only guys this afternoon before we started recording and realized, okay, it's really a three-man show with two guys that are borderline draftable, and that's it. So we'll start right off with Chris Davis with the Oakland A's going at the 3-4 wheel at 44 overall. 40-plus home runs three years in a row, and that would make you think, wow, this guy's consistent. But that is not the stat that makes you go wow about his consistency. Somehow he's managed to have a 247 batting average four years in a row. I don't even know how that's possible. And then I heard an even funnier, I shouldn't say funnier, but to top it off, I heard today on a stat that he has a 247 lifetime spring training batting average also. How is that possible? Yeah, I know. It's it's hilarious. It's like one of the funniest things that are going right now. But how do you how do you feel about rostering him? I mean, are you like in on him where he goes? Do you fade him? What do you what do you think? 
Are you meaning because he's a utility guy in general? Just him and the fact that he's a utility guy. I mean, just him in general. But I don't have an issue with him here because the last few years I felt the same way about Nelson Cruz. It's not something that I've been doing a lot. I haven't actually – I don't know if I've ever owned him in any sort of mock or real draft. You know, I say I would take Nelson Cruz at this spot the last few years, but the difference was Nelson Cruz was more at the 300 batting average to go with it. And, well, this guy's a 247 hitter. <laughs> but um, I don't have an issue with it. But I think personally, I've been going a different route when I've been picking around that spot where he's been going. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. I was just curious your thoughts on it. I, I will say he's got the most home runs in baseball in the last three years. So. Yeah, it's kind of hard hard to argue with that uh, that type of power track record. Um, I think I'd be a little more interested if he was still listed as an outfielder, but then again, everyone would be, so maybe that would just kind of cancel it out. But yeah, I'm uh, I, I'm more likely to take Cruz still. I mean, even with the obviously now the the price is reduced on Cruz, so yeah, I'm more I'm more likely to take Cruz, but. That's not to knock Davis. I mean, he is, he's good at what he does. So. Mm-hmm. And we'll just move on to Cruz then, who has fallen. He's now going at 97 overall. That's the middle of the seventh round. His home runs fell for the fourth year in a row. He's 38 years old. People have been predicting his demise for the last five years, and he's continued to break. And I say his home runs fell. He still hit 37 home runs. The big thing that was a dip, though, was his batting average. After being up near 300 the previous three years, it did fall down to 256. As I did a little digging, the main thing I saw, at first I was thinking, well, it doesn't look like anything really is alarming here, but his hard hit rate did fall 6% from 42 to 36%. So maybe this is the time where he's starting to finally slip a little bit. But on that same note, his prices dropped, too. And I think I'd take him at this price, and you just said you would. Yeah, I'm more likely to take him than I, I was the the Davis price. I I didn't realize how much he's crept up. I'm looking at the earlier part of winter right now, The basically from November 1st to December 31st. His ADP was like 120, 121, which is like the 8-9 turn. And I remember being in a draft where I think he went later than that. And now he's more like in the sixth, seventh round. So he seen probably was around the time when he signed with uh, the Twins that he yeah. moved up. I would guess just because a lot of times early in the off season, when guys don't have teams, they slip in drafts, which I think is crazy. Because what is Nelson Cruz not going to find a team? I mean, come on. But yeah, I mean he's. Uh, one of the most proven power sources in the league. I mean, 40, 44, 43, 39, and 37 bombs the last five years. I remember saying last year, if you looked at his previous like four seasons, you could pretty much put him next to Nolan Arenado's, and mm-hmm. they're, they're like identical. Last year, he did fall off a little bit, especially mostly in batting average, but um, – but yeah, just real consistent. I have no issue with him. You know what you're getting, and he's got potential to lead the league in homers or be right there at the top, near the top. I like him where he's going. He's going cheaper than typically does. But like I said, he has 
it does look like he's creeped up over the course of the off season. So how do you, how do you question for you? How do you feel about just UT guys in general? Do you, I mean, do you discount them because of it or? No, I've taken Nelson Cruz and targeted him in a lot of drafts the last few years because I think people were discounting him too far because of his age and UT only. In a league where you have five outfielders, a corner, a middle, it doesn't really bother me. I feel like I can work my way around with a lineup to where, no, I it's never really bothered me personally. I feel like the value has to be good for me to want to do it. Like, yes. I'm not just going to go out of my way to do it. So the value has to be good. Uh, another thing I'll say is I'm in a couple of leagues this year where it's too utility. And I feel like that changes everything. That makes it yep. way, way easier to draft a utility guy because it's, you know, there's a couple, there's just a little extra flexibility there with having two of them. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, I'm with you. I, I don't downgrade them too much, but I also don't go out of my way to fill that slot. It's almost like it has to be one of those things like, it's slapping me in the face like this is obvious. You got to take him here, yep. and then and, I, and then and I do, it. and then I do it. But I typically do it with Cruz. I, I like I said, I I'm not doing it with Davis most likely this year, and um, I've done it with Morales in the past too. But uh, you know, it just it just has to be the right spot, like where I need power and don't mind filling the slot and that kind of thing. I agree. All right, the third and really the last DH guy that's being drafted this year is Shohei Atani, who's not expected back till May as he's recovering from Tommy John surgery, but he may be a full-time DH for the rest of the season after that. He did have 22 home runs and 10 strike, 10 steals and 367 at-bats, and he should get more at-bats than that this year, or at least if he does get those full-time at-bats even starting in May, he will beat those at-bat numbers for five months getting 22 home runs and 10 steals. If he could repeat that, that's value there. But I think we talked about this when we discussed him before, there's still that fear of how much is he really playing as he's rehabbing from Tommy John surgery? Yeah. With Otani this year, I'm, uh, I'm pretty much, I'm probably out. I mean, it, he has dropped like his ADP earlier in the off season was closer to the 100 range. And I'm seeing basically since New Year's, it's about 166. So that's a little bit better. You're looking at like 11-12, round 11-12. I mean, he's supposed to be out till May, and he's UT only. So, like, I know in NFBC, there's no DL. So you kind of just have to stash him. And that's just not, I don't know. It's I don't know if it's really for me with him. Um, if I can stash him in a DL slot, that's a little bit different. Like we mentioned before on the other podcast when we brought him up, you know, he, he didn't really hit lefties, crush righties, obviously. So I do think he'll be impactful when he uh, when he does return. But we'll just have to see how that is or when that is. And I'm I'm also curious to see throughout the course of the season once he's back, like let's say if it's middle of May until the end of the year, how much of that time is he going to spend not hitting because he's rehabbing things with his arm? So, yeah, you know, I, I question that. I, I don't know. No, I guess is my biggest thing. So, and if they fall out of it at the end of the year, 
are they really going to push him as he's coming back? He, I could easily see them shutting him down too for that reason, getting him ready yeah. for ne- the following year. Next year's the big return with him on the mound and everything. And I do want to bring up dynasty value with him. I didn't put that in the notes, but I don't think it'll be too big of a curveball to ask you this question. My startup dynasty that I did a month ago was daily. And I took Otani at the end of the second round. I think it was the, let's see, 27th pick overall. I'm excited to get him there because I drafted a young team and I'm not competing. So this year didn't matter. I'm really excited about having him for next year. But in a setting like that, give me a ballpark round where you think you would take him in a daily dynasty right now. Let's start up. Oh, man, I don't even know, because I, I, I feel I feel like people are higher on him than me, too. I, I would say, where did you say you took him? 27? Yep. Yeah, he went 28 in Rotomasters 3, and that's not daily, by the way. That's like the twice-a-week hitting and weekly pitching. Big difference. Yeah, definitely a big difference. In a daily league, I can see the argument for taking him where you took him, for sure, if not higher. So, Because, yeah, once it gets to the point where you're getting the hitting and the pitching, I mean, yeah, he could be as valuable as anyone. I mean, there's no, no secret there. It's just a weird one to me. I, I'll admit, I have like uh, – like that part of my brain is like blocked or something. I can't like properly evaluate Otani. I feel like I, it's really hard for me because because there's never been this. You know, we've never seen this, and I just I don't really know how valuable he is or how valuable he isn't. I do think he'll be really valuable though in daily, and I get the I get the difference. I guess what I'm saying is when I'm stacking him against other players that none of them do or will end up doing what he does. It's really hard for me to put a number on it. I don't even know, it's hard. to be honest. Yeah, I just don't know. I can see a world where, in a daily league, he is the most valuable player there is. I'm not. That saying was what that, I was going to say. Yeah, I'm not saying. I, I do think, I've heard that multiple times, and I think it's a little overstated. I don't think we should just assume that's going to happen. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I could see it. I, it's just. Like I said, it's hard to uh, it's hard for me to even process all of it because it's just it's never been done. We've never seen this, and on top of that, he still hasn't had a point where he's gone a lengthy stretch where he's been great on the mound and great at the plate. It still hasn't mm-hmm. happened yet. Oh, I think and he it, only had ten starts. Yeah, right. So, you know, when that comes. I'm curious to see how it all it all comes together, but yeah, if if it all does, it, it could be totally bonkers. All right, well, I'm going to list off the last four here. I didn't go that I at least were names that I think possibly could be drafted in some draft and hold leagues. Even Mark Trumbo at 5:24, Kendrys Morales at 5:33, G Man Choi is I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right with Tampa Bay at 5:94, Evan Gaddis at 6:49. Would you take any of these guys in a team in a league with thirty man rosters? Maybe Trumbo or Morales. No, on the other two. Maybe. I I think I'm in the same boat. I don't think I really have too much interest in taking them in a thirty man roster at this point. 
Yeah, most likely not. So that pretty much says we're we've got three utility guys that'll be drafted, and the rest of them will be sitting out there in case they get on a hot streak. Okay. Well, I think that closes it. Andrew, guess what? We're done with hitters. It's crazy, man. <laughs> we kind of we kind of got through it pretty quick, actually. Yes, I mean, our first night we recorded was on Valentine's Day, if I recall. That was February 14th, obviously. And here we are into the first week of March, and we've covered every position with pretty good depth on each position. Pat ourselves on the back. That's the sound you hear right now. That's the sound of my back being padded. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we definitely got through them pretty quick. I'm just glad we don't have to say Marwin Gonzalez's name anymore. What about uh, Guriel? <laughs> no, I just remember those first, the first few podcasts because of how many positions he qualifies at. It was like Marwin Gonzalez kept coming up, and I'm just like, oh my god, I'm just, I don't want to talk about this guy. <laughs> Although did we stop typing his sad, name? That said, I, uh, I did have to laugh because when I saw the thing with Sano. Like the uh, <laughs> yeah, Sano is not going to start the year or whatever they were saying. It's like, well, he's Marvin Gonzalez is probably going to get those at bats. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yes, it is. All right, well, we're going to get out of here. We're going to talk pitchers here real soon. I think Andrew and I are going to try to get an episode for pitchers out really shortly too, and get started on that. I think we'll probably start off with one through twenty and go from there, kind of like we did with outfielders. Yep, home stretch. So we will uh, be back soon to do the starters. Yeah, and we've got some exciting things we're talking about doing that week of the opening week of the season that we'll tell you more about as we get closer. But, Andrew, you have any final words or anything last else you want to plug? Nope, that's it. Just finishing up a few drafts here, a couple more, and then uh, we'll be done. So, yeah. What do we got? We Two just... week, three weeks from today is the official opening day so yes so close i want to ask you i want to ask you one thing okay are you are you gonna wake up for the japan games at 4 30 in the morning are they at 4 30 so yeah it's next uh what is it next tuesday and wednesday you know what no 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 not next week i'm sorry it's the week after next week it's the 20th and the 21st it's a Tuesday and Wednesday, and they're at 4.35 a.m. is the start time. Okay, let me ask this. You say 4.35. Is that central time zone for where we're central, both in? Yeah, yeah, that's central time zone, yeah. Well, here's the good thing. No matter what, my alarm is set every day to go off at 5.50, and I'm pretty used to that now. I bet I will. I bet yeah. I'll actually get up an hour earlier. Maybe I won't be up for the first pitch, but I, I bet I set my alarm for 5 o'clock, and I'm up by then. Yeah, I was just curious because I'm. I'm Are gonna you? Get up. Yeah, I'm going to get up and watch them, and I, <laughs> I feel like it's slightly, uh, slightly crazy to do, but I'm definitely going to do it. I work that day, and then the other day, actually, I'm sorry, it's Wednesday and Thursday. I'm looking now. Well, the Thursday I'm off, so it'd just be Wednesday. I'll just have to get through work on Wednesday after watching a game at four thirty in the morning, but. At least a shorter day for me, and I'm gonna do it though. Yeah, I really, it's not even a decision for me. Like it's pretty simple. Set the alarm, get up, make some coffee, and uh, let's go. So the one thing I'll correct you: you say it's slightly crazy. No, no, 
it's completely crazy, but I'm probably going to do the same thing too. Because yeah. we love this game, and it's the first time we get to see games that count in six months. I wonder what uh, – do you know by chance what channel – oh, they're on ESPN, both of them. Is it ESPN? Yeah. Okay, I haven't yeah. even looked yet. 4.35 a.m., Wednesday, March 20th, and Thursday, March 21st. That's central time, so if you're Eastern time, obviously it's an hour uh, hour later. And if you're on the West Coast like King Doe, yeah. you could just stay up. Middle of the night, middle of the night. Yeah, yeah, you can just stay up. They'll be watching Yep, watching the first pitch at the bar. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. They get out of the bars and they go, they can watch the game right there. Yep. <laughs> All right, well, we'll get back here real shortly with pitchers and take care, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year.